The nail in the coffin! Hey, welcome to The Nail, episode number 25. I am Tom Valentino, and I am joined by an agitated Travis Hewley. Travis, let's get right into it. When we left off last week, overall, I'd say we were pretty upbeat about the Indians' prospects, but before the first pitch was even thrown, our era of good feelings was uh, derailed a little bit for you. Why don't you tell everybody what's grinding your gears? Yeah, uh, I think it pretty much grinded everyone's gears, That at least everyone that was in downtown Cleveland on the... Uh... On on Monday, um, for the last two weeks or so, we've all been saying, yeah, uh, opening day is going to be a cold one. Uh, hopefully it stays dry, but, you know, if you're going to opening day, bundle up, get down there. Um, and everyone responded in kind. Uh, downtown was pretty busy. Uh, I got down there probably around 12 o'clock. We'll stopped at a buddy's apartment for a while, had a few beverages. Uh, we're just about to head to the bar, and around 2.15, we get this notice that uh, they decided to cancel that day's game, despite the temperature and the weather being exactly what we knew it was going to be, um, and decided to postpone it for the following day when the weather was damn near identical. So, needless to say, good $200 down the drain, and I've been able to replace those tickets with roughly $40. Um, value tickets to games throughout May. I think I ended up getting the Orioles on a Saturday and maybe the Royals or something. I don't know exactly what it was. Um, but needless to say, the Indians have pretty much botched the start of the season. And it's, in fairness, it's not 100% the Indians' decision. But the idea to cancel a game, a four o'clock game at two fifteen, as people are already lining up outside the gates to get in, is pretty preposterous. Uh, especially considering that, again, like I said, the weather that we got on Monday was exactly what we anticipated the weather being. Um, nothing has changed in the forecast, barring a, a degree one way or another. Um, the fact that they took that long to cancel it is is a huge fuck you. I think to everybody that was already down there and already spent their monies at the bar and on parking and this, that, and the other thing. And the alternative they offered is pretty piss poor as showed with the uh, attendance that we had at the actual first game of the season yesterday at uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. So would you have uh, already taken, would, would you have been able to, uh, to, to salvage your day at all had they announced at like eight in the morning that they were going to be postponing the game that day because that's what the Yankees did they were scheduled for a Monday afternoon game I don't know if they were supposed to be playing at four o'clock or one but it was eight in the morning when they said forecast looks horrible for today we're calling it right now could I have yeah I could have gone into work saved that vacation day and used it the following day um, okay pretty easily uh, my girlfriend who bought me the tickets, she could not have probably, um, she could have maybe taken a half day at work, but she had actually worked her schedule out, uh, to work on Sunday so that she would have Monday off. Mm. Um, 
I don't know if she could have shifted those around or not. Um, so I'm not totally sure if she could have, but yes, I very easily could have just gone into work at, at my normal time um, and shifted my vacation day a day over and just as easily made it. Okay. So I, I guess for me, it's, it's a little bit different from my perspective because I'm not out the large sum of money that you are. I definitely think there were some things that they screwed up here, but I'm not quite as uh, uh, over the top pissed. I think as uh, as you as you are right now. Um, I will say right off the bat, I, I do think they screwed up with uh, with the timing of this uh, announcement that uh, that they had on Monday afternoon, and um, I, I don't. I'm not a groundskeeper. Although I do enjoy mowing the lawn in the summertime, who doesn't? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know why. It's America. I, I found it therapeutic. Just kind of, you know, mowing a nice fancy uh, stripe pattern you. in the lawn or something. I'm with but, you. Yeah, but um, no, I'm, I'm not a professional groundskeeper. I don't know what the field looked like, but in terms of the temperatures and whatnot, creating a situation of uh, safety for the players and the fans. This is Cleveland, and I've sat through a lot of really shitty weather football games and what would have been the case on Monday would have been not nearly as bad as any of those. Oh, I've sat through far worse sporting events, um, both Ohio state and Browns games that have, that have made Monday look like a, a lovely summer afternoon. Um, so fan safety kind of rings hollow because every damn person going to that game knew what they uh, knew what they were getting themselves into. So that's not really one I can buy into. Uh, player safety, I don't fucking know. You you live in Cleveland. You're playing in Cleveland in April. If you, It's going to be cold in two weeks. We're not going to cancel the first month and a half of the season because it's cold. Um, I get that it might be a few degrees colder than we're used to, but it was no worse yesterday than it was the day before on Monday when they were supposed to play. So that doesn't really ring... Uh, doesn't really register with me too much. I guess they said there was a chance of precipitation, but I looked outside pretty much all day for the rest of the day and didn't see a drop come down. So I'm not sure where that was from either, but they, for whatever reason, they decided 2.15 uh, on Monday was when, you know, they'd finally had enough when they were going to make the decision. So as far as I'm concerned, they dropped the ball big time. Sure, and... and I will say that they did with that. Um, and the other thing, just for the circumstances that you outlined and the hoops that some people had, to, a lot of the fans had to try to jump through in order to make their schedules work in order to get down there to a game on a weekday afternoon. Yes, it's just one of 81 home games. But on the other hand, you know, it's a completely different set of circumstances for opening day. And I just feel like for that reason, yeah, they really needed to make every effort to try to play that game. Um, my my biggest problem, though, that I have is with Major League Baseball scheduling games here in the first week of the season to begin with. I, I just, I don't know why. It was like you said, you know what you're getting into in the first week of uh, April, the first week of the season, um, going to a baseball game in Cleveland. There's no reason that they should be playing games here. They should be opening up on the road every year and I don't know why they insist on trying to play home games here no question I mean it, I'll admit it's always in the past it seems like for the most part they have started on the road 
Um, it's been about 50-50. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe. I, in, maybe it's just my perception because I, uh, I haven't gone to the opening day games as much. I've kind of watched them and celebrated them. But um, either way, um, you know, like you said, you know what you're getting into in April um, in Cleveland, Ohio. And yeah, like I was going to say, it's, it's sort of when, when opening day happens and the Indians aren't home for like a week on occasion, sure. You're kind of like, I wish we had it home for whatever reason, but common sense says let's schedule it somewhere warm. (laughs) Probably 20 of the teams in the league have fine weather for opening day. And it's pretty reliable that it's going to be right. Or a dome. And it's pretty safe bet that you're going to be able to play there without much uh, weather interference, for lack of a better term. So why they don't send the teams like the Clevelands and uh, Minnesota isn't in a dome anymore, I don't think. Um, Boston, even New York, these teams that are up north and pretty susceptible to that crappy weather, send them somewhere else for the first week of the season. Um I'm going to let them open up the following week because I think – I know it's just a week, but I think it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, At least then I you're making an surprised. effort. Right, and I think you'd be surprised what a difference that does make usually. I think if you were to go back and look historically, um, the weather's probably noticeably better um, on April, I don't know, 15th or so as opposed to like April 3rd or 4th. Yeah, the thing that I was noticing, it's just I got to thinking about this in other sports. I mean, if you look at like the NBA, for example, you've got a lot of teams that play in buildings that host a lot of other events through the year. So you've got a situation where like the Spurs are going to have to play at uh, on the road for like uh, seven or eight straight games in the middle of the season every year because they've got the rodeo in San Antonio. The Bulls. They have to play a really long road trip every year because uh, the circus comes to the United Center. The Lakers and the Clippers have the big Grammy trip that they have to go through. Uh, Football teams, um, a lot of them in the NFL uh, have stadiums that host college football, conference championships, or bowl games. So they know for a certain week or two at the end of every regular season, they're going to have to be playing on the road. So I don't know why you can't just build in the same kind of logic into the MLB schedule and say, you're in a crappy weather market, you're going to open up on the road every year. You're still going to get your 81 home games. You're still going to get your 81, uh, you know, 81 home, 81 road. Um, and you're going to be playing all the teams that you would have played otherwise. Now you've got a chance to actually play more games in decent weather and not run into as many scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Side note, mm-hmm. is it hilarious to you that one of the, premier franchises in all sports has their schedule dictated every year by the rodeo (laughs) every year i hear that and they're like oh yeah it's that rodeo road trip i'm like god that you would think like i don't know i i don't know of anyone else that has something that big every single year that like moves them around um it's become part of the spurs it's become sort of the spurs identity too it absolutely is because that's like the turning point for their season every year. They're normally kind of, I mean, they got off to a great start this year, but I mean, I could think of so many years where they were kind of good, but still kind of treading water. A lot of what we had seen from the Cavs for much of this year. And all of a sudden they hit that rodeo road trip 
and it just kind of bonds the team together going on this long road trip together. And then all of a sudden they get on a hot streak down the stretch and it's, it's happened a bunch of times for them. So <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it sounds like on the surface, it sounds like um, a handicap or a disadvantage, but I think they've really Popovich has really found a way to turn that into a, uh, like you said, like a team building thing for them where they really do come out of it playing better. Um, and they really use it to their advantage, which is kind of funny. But, um, but back to what we were saying, uh, yeah, I got to agree with you. I, and Ted, this this year, um, obviously, is sort of the straw that broke the camel's back, in my opinion. Um, there's no reason the Indians should be should be having to do that. Um, the other thing that that bothers me about how the Indians handled it is they have no qualms about adding this uh, premier pricing to opening day, and then they come out and like the tickets that we got were over a hundred bucks after all the fees and everything each. Um, and to get those tickets to any other game in April and May that I'm replacing them with, uh, would cost me about 25 bucks on StubHub. So they have no issue, uh, char- charging this premium on them. But when, uh, it comes time in this case to, to, to make it right with their customers, they don't really have any, uh, they don't really, I, people were giving them credit for giving two games instead of one, which yes, that is more than they have to do. But at the same time, they're selling, they're giving away tickets that they were never going to sell. So it doesn't cost them anything to do it. And at worst, they'll make a bunch more money off of concessions that they wouldn't have made otherwise. So it's not really them giving any added benefit to anyone. Um, in my opinion, uh, because, like I said, no, we we see the crowds in April and May. They're not empty. They're giving away. They're they're not full. They're giving away seats that were going to go empty otherwise. So yeah, I think the attendance tonight was about ten thousand. And I'm looking at some of the highlights here on the TV, and I'm pretty sure they were counting by twos. So it, it's the Indians are not getting any credit in my book. Let um, me ask you this though: the the, the tickets that you got a hundred dollars a piece. Did you get those through the Indians, or were those on the secondary market? No, she no. My uh, girlfriend works for clinic. She got uh, they had like a pre order. Okay. Uh, through the clinic, through the Indians, they were uh, section one twenty eight down the first baseline. Good seat. Couple sections, but yeah, pretty decent um, row like K. So seven eight rows from the field, very good seats. I was excited um, to get in there and see them. Now I'll get to watch. Uh, probably be able to spread out i might even be able to move down to the first row uh when i do end up going to the game in a few weeks um but yeah overall it's just i think they botched it from the beginning and if they wanted to come out and say yeah it's going to be too cold we know it's going to be this temperature and blah 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 and they did it eight o'clock or even the day before because we looked at the forecast for the last two weeks i've been looking at it hoping it was going to warm up and and turn around and it's maybe been a couple degrees this way, a couple degrees that way, chance of snow, chance of rain. It's exactly what we knew it was going to be. Why they all of a sudden decided that this thing that we knew was going to happen, now we're not cool with it anymore, so we're going to call the game. That was my biggest complaint, was that it should have been called way earlier in the day, if not the day before. Well, I was gonna. the reason I asked you about how you guys got the tickets – was um, I'm really surprised that the face value on those was that much higher than another game. Like, I know they have uh, structured pricing 
where based on the day of the week and the opponent and the circumstances and all that, that it's variable in the pricing. But I didn't realize those seats would be four times as much for opening day face well, value. I'm really surprised by that. that. Yeah, the tickets that – I mean the price that I'm – I don't know what the actual face value is for the tickets. Um, I know what I could go buy them for um, on like StubHub. So that's market value, not necessarily face value. I don't know what the face value is on them. Okay, because um, that's the thing, though, like I would keep in mind is I, I know just from past years, I've always looked onto the secondary market to get tickets for opening day. And, I mean, there was one time, I, it was two years ago, I was able to buy a ticket in the mezzanine, uh, seats that I don't even think are there anymore that they got uh, – uh, cut out with part of those renovations in right field, but I got, there was a pretty decent seat in the mezzanine in right field for 19 bucks the day of the game. But then last year I tried to go and the cheapest get in the door standing room price the day of the game was up over $60. So, um, I, where I was going with that whole thing with, with the, the price of the ticket is I, I don't think you can really hold it against the Indians if the the market value and, and on the secondary market that is uh, gets up way higher. I, I I can't really hold anything against them past what the face value of the ticket was. Take a guess what the most expensive get in the door price is. So of all the games in well, April get, and get, May, what get do in the door think? or most expensive because get in the door would be the cheapest ticket. Well, I'm saying of all the games in April and May, what do you think the highest get-in-the-door price is for any game? April or May? April or May, the tickets that we had to choose from. If you go on StubHub right now, it'll tell you the tickets start at this for each individual game. What do you think is the mm. highest, lowest number, if that makes sense? Okay, I, I see where you're, you where see you're what going. I'm uh, so if you I would, get in, 20, 25 bucks? $12. Really? $12. Wow. You can get into any game in April and May. For $12. That's, um... And the only game that that didn't hold true for was on Monday and got postponed to Tuesday. So, when they come to you like this is some great goodwill gesture, they're giving you these tickets to other games. They're games no one wants to come to. And they're games that, quite frankly, if I wanted to go to them, I could have just shelled out the 20 bucks and walked in and gone to them. They didn't really, in my opinion, they didn't really do anything to make it right with their customers. Um, and they kind of tried to shine up shit and sell it like it was something else. Well, where they really screwed up with that was they, when they first made the announcement, it was just going to be their standard exchange policy for one game on like a very select number of dates. And I think you had at that point, all the people that were upset already, that was like basically throwing gasoline on a fire because it just made people even more mad. And that was when, by the end of the day, on Monday, they said, okay, wait, let's let's try this again. And they came out with what they call it their enhanced exchange policy for the two games. Um, the other the other thing that I found funny was they, they I heard their communications guy was on the radio the following day. He was talking about how uh, this Indians exchange policy was better than anything else in baseball. And, you know, they're way more generous and blah, 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 while – the other team that canceled the game the day before, the Yankees, allow you to redeem your tickets for any game, same price ticket, within 12 months. Hmm. Which is way better than pick any of these games in April and May that no one else is coming to. So you could, like if you got opening day washed out this year, you could exchange it for opening day next year? Assuming they're the same price, yeah. For the Yankees. 
their policy says you can either use it for the rescheduled game, and this is for any rain out, mm-hmm. um, even if it's even if you go sit for four innings and then the game gets rained out. So before it is defined as a complete game, um, you can either use it for the rescheduled game or you can exchange it for any same price ticket for any Yankees home game within twelve months. Of That's interesting. Game, which I would absolutely just say, okay, I'll take tickets for opening day next year then. See, the Indians have done good things before. Like, I, I can remember specifically a couple of games that I went to where the weather was just so absolutely god-awful and they had rain delays of, like, multiple hours and they still ended up getting the whole game in anyway. And at that point, technically, you know, they fulfilled what you paid for and they would still offer you the opportunity to get uh, exchange your tickets for another game just because they don't reasonably expect anybody to sit down there for six and a half hours on a bad weather night. So um, I, I guess this time, just because the pricing is so out of whack for the opener, uh, it, it's kind of hard to do that. Let me ask you this, though. like, If you were in their position, what would you have offered fans um, who had tickets to opening day? Uh, tickets to opening day? Um. As the person who actually got some tickets, I would I would have liked a refund. Obviously, the Indians aren't into giving money away unless your name is Nick Swisher. Um, <laughs> oh, shots fired! But uh, no, I personally think if you gave people a credit for what they paid to use towards other tickets, I would have been fine with that. And I don't see the I don't see the downside in that um, from their side. Um, personally, I would have rather said okay if they make the playoffs i'd rather say i would take the chance at a pair of playoff tickets over these guaranteed two games that i'm getting that i don't quite honestly really want to go sit through so you're saying you would have taken just ticket money like let's just round yeah, it off two hundred dollars you've got two hundred dollars to spend on the use for tickets i sure. use on tickets for the rest of the year absolutely i i like that and i'm surprised i've not heard anybody else suggest that anywhere because I was going to say, I thought you were going to go with the refund, and I, I I don't think a refund is a realistic solution for a, for no, a sports funny, team. Though, what's funny, though, is my girlfriend emailed the person because this guy had the unfortunate task of emailing her a couple days before opening day, asking for her feedback after opening day. Um, so that was a certain avenue that we used. Um, and she emailed back saying, what, like, what possible recourse do I have here? Like, I don't want crappy April tickets. And his response was that because she's not from out of state, he can't offer her a refund. Really? So they were giving some people their money back. Wow. Oh man. I don't like that at all. Yep. So there's someone there who can say, yeah, we're going to give people their money back. We're just going to decide that these people, we know you're not going to do anything about it. We'll give you two other games instead. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So literally every every interaction I've had with the Indians has been completely botched from the beginning in this in this situation. And it's unfortunate because I was very excited for the beginning of the season. You could tell from the way that we talked about it last week, I was really looking forward to getting Indians baseball going. Um and all I could think about yesterday was how pissed I was at the Indians. Hmm. Well, uh, on the bright side, you did still get uh, on Monday afternoon. I- I'm sure you still met up with friends and got to do the uh, day drinking and um, 
pregame festivities and, and outside the park anyway, and all the other uh, fun stuff, everything but the baseball game. So yeah. I hope your day yeah. was not a total loss. Not a total loss, although as someone who is getting married this year and has a lot of events, it's not something I would have wanted to use a vacation day on otherwise, as those are are at a premium this year for, for this guy. So, it, it I mean, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it now at this point. Um, obviously, they've got my money, and I'm not getting it back. So, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. It's not my money. Uh, I actually I feel worse for from my lady friend as this was what she bought me for my birthday and it's essentially been ruined so she feels bad that the only thing she got me for my birthday really is essentially worthless and she wasted money on it so I feel honestly I feel more bad for her because she feels bad about it um but yeah that's needless to say not the best experience ever not the best uh service I've gotten from someone either I understand your frustration there, and um, I, you've made a compelling case. I got to tell you, because you and I texted quite a bit on Monday, and I was thinking about it. And when I heard that they were going to offer the two games, I said, "Well, that you screwed up with offering just one game, a straight up exchange." That was the initial announcement. I'm like, ah, but once you bumped it up to two, I was one of those people that said, "Ah, that seems fair. That seems pretty legitimate. You can't really expect a refund." Uh, just because uh, of a lot of different circumstances. And um, I, I think two games seems like a, a decent goodwill gesture. Uh, so I was definitely in that camp. But um, I got to tell you, you've made a very uh, compelling argument here. And I think you have officially switched me over to your side yeah. when, when, when you came up with the, yeah. uh, the better solution. Because if you're just saying, like, this sucks – that's one thing. But when you say this sucks and here's a better way to do it. And the idea of being able to apply your, your ticket credit towards other tickets throughout the year, especially cause they're going to have tickets available for pretty much every game the rest of the year, I would have to assume that sure. that makes a lot of sense. So truthfully, yeah, I would, I would sit on it. The, <laughs> I would sit on the ticket credit until either a playoff game or, uh, opening day for next year. Um, the, I guess the way I look at most everything in life, if you screw something up, it should cost you something. It doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to be like a big punitive punishment. But in this case, the Indians screwed it up and their solution cost them nothing. So they didn't really learn from anything. There's no, there's no hurt to it for them. Um, and there's really no incentive for them to do things better next time because they're going to get more people to the game. They're going to make more money off of it in the end because more people are going to come by concessions that wouldn't have come otherwise. I um, wonder how many of those are going to be redeemed. That's that's the other thing. Again, if, if they gave away tickets that no one ends up using, again, they don't hurt in any way from it. Sure. So, in, in, yeah, in my opinion, they, they put this sort of hollow gesture out there to, to try and save face. And it, it worked to an extent with some people, but um, in my opinion, they didn't really I, – I, I see no reason that if, if, they, if the same situation presents itself next year, um, other than from a PR standpoint, uh, their solution to it – doesn't actually give them any incentive to handle it better next time. Hmm. 
One other thing I wanted to, to mention earlier, another stupid and totally unnecessary complication for this. The Red Sox, this is their only trip into Cleveland for the entire year. And I think the Mets and the Mariners are also making their only trip of the season to Cleveland in the month of April. Meanwhile, you've got every team in our division coming here three times. If you've got a team only coming here once for the entire season, why are you having them come here when the weather is at the worst it's going to be all year? And it's a big draw. Like, the Red Sox are a big draw for the Indians. Yeah, I guarantee the Indians would want them here. Yeah, but the Indians will get it on opening day, and they'll get that draw, but games two and three of that series, the Indians aren't going to get people for those. No. We saw it today already. Right. Um, And, I mean, we saw it yesterday, but that's obviously extenuating circumstances. I don't hold... um, I don't hold the schedule against the Indians in any way. I don't think they have. No, and I'm sure the Indians would prefer to have the Red Sox here in June, July, or August because those are their three best months for business because all the kids are out of school and more families can, can, can come down to the stadium for that. Right. Yeah, and I mean, and the Red Sox are one of those teams that that have a fair amount of fans in other cities um, and the occasional folks that are going to travel. So they're really negating that for the Indians. And in you don't want to, I guess, necessarily pick and choose the teams that you do that for. You don't want to show any sort of like bias or favoritism. But I think most other teams would say, yeah, why don't you give us those uh, those games when we can actually draw people to the stadium and take advantage of those, like you said, that one series this year where they're actually here. Sure. And I, I'm pretty sure that the way the scheduling works is there are certain things. I, I was reading a long article about this a couple of years ago. That every team could send in requests for things that are most important to them on their schedule. And um, like, do they want to be home for certain holidays? Do they want to be, uh, would they, are they more willing to go on the road for this date or that? And uh, there's a bunch of other things. And I'm pretty sure that, um, I don't know if you can request specific opponents, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the Yankees, who are probably still the best drawing team on the road of any team in the American League, they play here in Cleveland in the middle of the summer every single year. You never see the Yankees here in April or September when there's nobody down at the the park. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I I, I don't know that I ever really noticed it, but when when you mention it, I certainly – I can't recall – many many bad weather games with the Yankees that weren't uh, in the playoffs so yeah you might be onto something there I think um, in general if you're Major League Baseball and you want to maximize um, I mean really when they write the schedule it should be to be as as fair as possible but also to allow those teams who maybe don't draw as well to maximize when they get those teams that do um, in this case, obviously the Yankees. If yeah, if if you're the Indians, you're going to draw better if you have the Yankees in June or July than if you have them in the second week of April. Exactly. So yeah, that's a good point. I, I I've never, I guess I've never really noticed it, but I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's certainly something to that. The Red Sox have been here in April before. I remember they were here for the first homestand. That was not an opening day, but it was like the second series of the year like three or four years ago, but um, yeah, the Yankees never. So uh, thanks a lot, MLB. Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, I, I just think they could have handled the whole ticket fiasco better. Um, I think I'm, I'm somewhat 
over the fact that they postponed the game. Um, at the time, I still thought it was kind of silly, and I, I'm not sure I'm 100% off of that stance, but I can live with that part of it. But when they did it and how they did it and how they communicated it and everything else around it just seemed like a huge botch job from the Indians. Um, and like I said, that's that's disappointing to me because I was really looking forward to opening day and getting baseball started. So that's definitely starting off on a, uh, a negative uh, like that is disappointing, to say the least. Well, you know, we got uh, got the first win of the year in the books tonight. And hopefully that uh, will propel the tribe here to some better things and the era of good feelings can return. A little bit of a bumpy start here and some noticeable frustration, but uh, understandable frustration, I think, is probably the better term. Frustration with non-baseball things. Yeah. <laughs> Truthfully, I, I mean, you and I are, are on the same page that games one and two of 162 don't really merit much analysis or no. And it's exactly uh, why before we discussion as before, why we, before we started recording, I said, I'm not getting into any of the on the field stuff because everybody likes that. You you see so many uh, reporters and uh, everything else on Twitter. And, and it just, this, this is the sample size that we've got to work with now. And it's just like, it's one goddamn game. Like, it's funny how many people I saw yesterday that are like, offense still sucks. I wonder how many of them are like 100% serious. Um, because, I mean, truthfully, you can kind of understand that because it's opening day and they wanted to see him look a little better. And the, the offense did suck year. yesterday. Don't get right. me wrong, but, but you want, you you're want not facing David Price every day either. Right, exactly. And you wonder how many of those people who are like, already the sky is falling are actually like that down and out about it this early in the season. So it's kind of funny. I, I, I think know, there I are some people that, some that have fun with that and like, to I hope so. Kind of tweak others. Right. I hope most are like that. Oh, I, I'm sure there are still some people that are taking that stuff way too seriously. Yeah. Oh, God bless them. But they're not on Twitter. I think they're too old for that. Usually. That's true. Hey, uh, switching gears here. Um, our basketball team, no weather delays uh, or any type of uh, uh, inclement weather concerns for them. Uh, That's slowing them down right now. No, no. Cavs did lose tonight in Indiana, but um, LeBron set the game out. And... Yeah, they took one on the chin, but uh, overall, I think they've been playing much better lately. Um, had some really impressive wins lately, and uh, LeBron's looked like a man possessed. He's been in way more efficient than we saw him early in the season. He's finally starting to put that jumper away for the most part and uh, do what we all know he's he's best at, which is get to the basket. Um, he's also been facilitating really well. Um, Love has had a couple of good games lately shooting the ball. Finally, hopefully his stroke is back. And Jairo went nuts yesterday in the first half. I was surprised. I think he took one shot in the second half, but... Um, Still hit seven threes. He's been shooting the ball really well and playing his ass off. So the game um, against Milwaukee, you mean? Yes, yeah, the other night. Um, was that that wasn't last night? No, it was last night. But okay, who knows when people listening. will be listening to this? So right. So the game against Milwaukee, he he hit seven threes in the first half, and I was like, okay, and this, and and they were steamrolling them. Personally, I wanted to see him come out and chuck in the second half, see if he could get the record. Um, but he sat most of the second half, and I think only took like one shot. So, but no, overall, um, 
you got to like how they're playing right now going into the playoffs, particularly LeBron. We've been wondering all, all year, has he lost a step? And I think he's uh, doing his best to silence everyone on that. He's probably, um, honestly, he's probably been the best player in basketball for the last month, month and a half. Here's the thing with LeBron. Um, number one, I don't, I'm going to probably chalk this up to a coincidence just because it's the calendar and, and he's looking at what time it is and, and what part of the season is it is and knowing that it's time to really get serious and buckle down. But it really seems like if you want to pinpoint exactly when he flipped the switch, it was literally like right after the game where Ty Lu and Griffin pulled him aside and basically told him and went public with it afterwards to like knock off the shit with all the uh, off the court stuff with the social media and all the other things. And it's like, we haven't seen any of that stuff since then. And we have seen a lot of really great basketball from him. So I mean, maybe they got through to him and maybe he was just kind of pushing boundaries a little bit with the new coach and seeing if he was going to get some pushback and now that they did give him a little bit of pushback, maybe he's like, all right, I'm in, let's do this. Uh, or maybe he's just uh, still doing his own thing and saying like, well, hey, it's it's mid to late March and we he got 15 games this. left this season. It's time to really get rolling. Right. Whatever it is, that's, that's he's year. noticeably better. And yeah, I agree completely. He, he does this every year where he shuts uh, what is his zero dark 23 or whatever the hell he calls it, where he shuts everything down and gets off social media and turns his phone off. And, and it, it does seem like he might've done it a little earlier and you're right. It, it, it came right around that time that they supposedly talked to him uh, about all that stuff. So, Hey, if it, if it works and he keeps playing like this for the next three months, uh, more power to him, do that more. Um, so yeah, I think personally you couldn't ask much more about how they're playing right now, going into the playoffs. Um, I think what's the magic number right now for home court, like three, right. Uh, with Toronto, I don't know if they're playing tonight or not. Um, but for what, for what, uh, for how inconsistent they've been early in the season and, and not even that long ago, um, you got to like the way that they sort of seem to be hitting stride right now, which is when you really want to be doing it. And ironically, the team that we've all been terrified of for the entire year is sort of going the opposite direction. Hmm. Glad you brought that up. They seem human for the first time in in quite a while. They lost to Minnesota last night. Um, This 73 wins has sort of seemed to be a foregone conclusion. Um, And they now need to, I think, win all four. They got two against San Antonio and two against Memphis to finish the season. They got to win all four of those to hit that number that honestly, I think they've been putting all their energy into, which it almost seems like it might be getting to them finally. It's really two things with this. Number one, it's really interesting how they've been very open and honest about wanting to go for that record all season. And now that they've kind of hit a little bit of a stumbling block here, at the end of the at the end of the regular season, now all of a sudden there are stories coming out about how players in their locker room are bored. It's like you've got a chance to make history. You've been talking about it all year, and now that you might not do it, oh, now we're bored. Like the hell out of here. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not believing that. And number two, did you see the story? I think it was about a week and a half ago in New York Times Magazine. 
the interview with the Warriors owner. Oh, yeah, the clown. Like The height of hubris. Incredible, the shit that he, that he throws out in that. Like, he's completely reinventing how to build a team in basketball. There's three things you need to do if you're the Warriors. Uh, let the Timberwolves screw up and take two, two uh, mediocre point guards in back-to-back picks. Uh, draft Stephen Curry let his legs fall apart so you can sign him for cheap. That's it. Like they've, I'm not going to say that they've totally lucked into it because uh, I think Draymond Green probably turned out to be a better player than most anyone thought he was going to be. Um, but that team, it, the only reason they're able to pull that team together is because of how cheap they got Steph Curry. They've made a few shrewd moves. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they yeah, they, they not, were yeah. absolutely in the mix for Kevin Love and they had people in their front office and I'm sure multiple guys want to take credit for it now, but um, they had people in their front office saying, we're not giving up Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. And I, I like Kevin Love, and I like having him on the Cavs, but for Golden State and, and the way they're built and what they want to be, they made the right decision sticking with Clay Thompson. He's agree, one of the I, one I of think... the three or, three or four best shooters in the league, and he, <laughs> he'd be far and away the best shooter on their team. It just so happens that... He has um, the best shoot, the best shooter, uh, Steph Curry, as his backcourt mate there. Um, so that was a really smart move. Now the whole thing with Draymond, I think they made a, a fantastic pick getting him where they did in the draft. Oh, of course. But don't forget, he was not starting for them initially, and he was a bench guy. And the only reason he really got a shot uh, to uh, get into the role that uh, he is uh, developed into. It was because of injuries to David Lee. So even when they were really smart, they again, it was a little bit of luck that helped uh, form what they became. So just the, the, the arrogance from uh, their owner, Joe Lacob, um, basically, like you said, talking about they've reinvented the way uh, to build a successful franchise and you know we're the, we're the best right now, far and away, and we're going to keep beating all these teams for years to come. And it was just like, man, if you wanted to like just – wave a giant middle finger at, at karma. Uh, that, that is like exhibit a for how to get it done. And I, it's just hilarious that like, as soon as he did that, they went from uh, being undefeated at home this season to suddenly losing two games and now putting themselves really, uh, um, I don't know if jeopardy is the right word, but, uh, certainly, uh, in danger of not hitting that, uh, that record mark that seems so inevitable for so long this year. Yeah, I think, um, the, I think we said it a while ago at the very beginning of the season when they were on that crazy tear, we said they're going to come back down to earth. Um, and all this early fanfare might, they might be peaking too soon. And I think probably within the last, I don't know, three or four weeks, we were probably second guessing ourselves on that. And it may have come considerably later than we thought, but they haven't looked like that team for the last couple of weeks, even though they've won a couple of games here and there. Um, they haven't looked like that team that can just roll the ball out, throw it up, and it goes in like they did for the first, I don't know, three quarters of the season. So um, they look human. And I think, and back to Draymond Green, it seems like every week he's saying, putting his foot in his mouth on something else. Um, yesterday he basically came out and said, yeah, maybe we are paying too much attention to it. 
last week he was saying something about, well, we've got seven losses, but I really only think three teams beat us. And like all these, like these bullshit excuses. And he's, and a couple of weeks ago he was yelling at guys in the locker room and stuff like that. Like he sort of seemed to be like that X factor, that glue guy for them. And he sort of seems like he's going the wrong direction in terms of uh, what he's contributing to that team. They very well might get it all pulled back together and resume their role as a juggernaut in the playoffs. But yeah, I do believe I saw that uh, going into tonight's games that since the all-star break, they're like fourth at net rating in the league. So there are definitely teams that have been playing better than them and and, um, they are looking a little bit mortal. I I still think they're going to be a handful in the playoffs and I'm in no way, shape or form writing them off. But I will say as far as Draymond grows, if, uh, if they do get knocked out in the playoffs, he's the first guy I want to see getting the crying Jordan treatment on uh, Twitter. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, for the first time this year, I think I'd rather play Golden State than San Antonio. Mm, I don't know if I'm going that far. I think I'm way more intimidated by Popovich versus Teron Liu than I, than I am anything Golden State can do. Um, we saw what... Uh, San Antonio did to them uh, about a month ago now, I think. Uh, I don't remember exactly when it was, but um, not too long ago, San Antonio really showed you the formula. And while I don't think Cleveland is as good defensively and as talented quite as San San Antonio is, and obviously they're not coached quite as well as the Spurs are because nobody is, um, I think that gives sort of the, the... what the Cavs could do a lot of the same things that San Antonio did in that game uh, that led to success. Um, So personally, I wouldn't want to go against Greg Popovich. I'd much rather take my chances with this team that sort of seems to be reeling already than the one that's proven that they can do it for every year for the last, I don't know, 20 years. That might be true. But my, my counter to that is if you're going to beat the Warriors, if you're the Cavs, you're going to have to make some changes to the lineup that I have not seen from them yet. And, and use some combinations and, and some rotations that I'm still waiting on. Um, yeah, and it's probably too late for those. Yeah, well, I mean, like I was I, reading... I agree uh, with you on that. I was reading Fear the Sword, and like they pointed out that um, like the Cavs' best four-man combination, their four best players, LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson, almost never play together. I mean, it, it's it's stunning how few minutes those four guys have played together this year. And a huge reason for that is because they keep starting Mozgov and the reason they start Mozgov is because they they have numbers that show you that Tristan Thompson's productivity in the fourth quarter tends to drop when he has to start the game. So it becomes this either or. Either you're going to start Tristan and not put yourself behind the eight ball to start the game because Mozgov's been borderline unplayable for such large stretches of the season. Or, um, you know, it's, it's either start Tristan or you bring him off the bench and then you are starting with Mozgov and the frustration for me is there's other solutions there. Like they never play Channing Fry at center. Um, and, and I think he does kind of struggle a little bit in defending guys who are really mobile. But if you move him down to the five, you're going to have uh, far less um, situations where he's getting compromised like that defensively. And yeah. I, I just, I mean, he's definitely a, a, a much more viable option at the offensive end. So I, Boskov can't play in a series, I don't think, against the Warriors. And, I mean, he's been the starting five more often than not this year. 
Yeah, and I, uh, they they didn't play. Uh, Golden State didn't play Bogut much against us last year either. So I would think, um, I think you should you would expect to see Mozgov his minutes get drastically reduced um, in the playoffs if we were to go against Golden State. Um, probably against San Antonio too. I'm not sure if there's any team that has a chance of getting to the finals that would actually be a good matchup with him on the floor. Cause like you've said, he's just not been the guy that we saw last year in the playoffs who showed some glimpses. And I mean, was a pretty consistently solid if, if unspectacular, but um, pretty solid guy that you, you didn't feel was a complete liability on the floor. You mentioned um, Bogut last year. I mean, that swung the finals. They, they, kind of figured out, if you remember, it was game three where the Cavs got out to that huge lead and ended up hanging on because the Warriors kind of figured something out with their lineup and, and made that furious run in the second half of that uh, that game three where the Cavs went up two to one. But they rolled that lineup into game four, started, um, did they move Iguodala into the starting lineup? Uh, I don't think they started him. He was. I think he still came off the bench, but... Um, Regardless, what? whatever the, the new five man was, it was it was basically taking Bogut um, and making him a complete non factor. They took him out of the starting lineup and for the final three games, and they won all of them. So I mean, that completely swung that series. And they rolled that over into this year. If you look at early in the season when they were going on that crazy run, and and pretty consistently all year, that's sort of been their formula. They haven't they've completely shunned the idea of playing. Uh, a legit big for extended minutes. Um, their efficiency is when they're they got five guys on the perimeter, um, and I think if you're going to beat them, I don't know that you want to totally play into that hand and 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 mirror that, but you can't have guys like Mozgov on the floor who are just going to crush you if 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 he gets more than I don't know six seven feet away from the basket. Well, we got a long way to go between now and a, a potential finals matchup, so we'll see what happens. But thankfully, we've got, what, about a week and a half until the playoffs yeah, start, right? Yeah, it's right around the corner. No, a week so from what, Saturday. 16th, I think? Yes. Yep, so we're right there. That's going to be fun. I'm, I I think we're both kind of done with the regular season at this point. I think we the Cavs have, are, too, I, if, yeah, if tonight I, was any indication. Yeah, I think we have been for quite some time. I think they're getting a little bored. I think... Uh, that's another positive I think to LeBron is he somehow managed to ramp up his intensity and his level of play while a lot of other guys and teams around the league that are in a similar position where their playoff fate's been sealed for a while. They've known where they're going to be and they just kind of want to get there. LeBron's really made a concerted effort of not just him, but getting other guys involved and making sure the other guys stay engaged, uh, particularly JR and love. So, um, I think we'll, you and I are probably on the same page. We just want to get going already. My, my final thought on this with the Cavs is, obviously LeBron is the centerpiece, and you've got to banish his minutes and, and make sure he is in prime condition going into the playoffs above anybody else. And I think they've done a really great job with managing those minutes and, and getting him games off down the stretch here, even if it probably has cost them a few wins here or there. Um, but for me, I, I would really like to see in these last few games over the next week or so, uh, trying to get some rest for some of the other key pieces as well. Like I, I think Kevin Love came out tonight with back spasms and, um, you know, Kyrie has had, uh, uh, an ankle sprain 
that kept him out of the game a, a few nights ago. And just it, it's things that um, are not uh, anything as serious as what they dealt with in the playoffs last year. But really, since they got the whole unit together uh, in mid to late December, they've done a really great job of uh, keeping everybody relatively healthy. And uh, you just want to see everybody in, at, at peak uh, level there um, with, with the postseason starting. So if you look right now, I guess we'll throw this question out there of the teams that the Cavs can play in the first round. Are there any that concern you? I don't want to say like worry you because I think we're probably in agreement that the Cavs should uh, should be able to handle business. So are you asking, are, are there any teams that are going to make the Cavs work a lot harder than they should have to work in a one versus eight? Yeah, right now it looks like it's between, I mean, Indiana, they played tonight, Detroit, um, Chicago's got a pretty big uphill climb, I think, to get back into it. They're, Chicago's toast. Yeah, they're two and a half behind um, Detroit for that last spot right now. It's um, basically going to come it's down. basically I'm, Indian Detroit. Indian Detroit. Um I would probably rather face the Pistons just because if I don't have to deal with Paul George, that's probably preferable. That's probably fair. Although Detroit has gotten us a couple times this year. I don't think either one of those is going to be. Um, uh, I think it'll be five games max, probably. Uh, the old gentleman sweep. Hey, I'll take it. That's one, they, that's one of my favorite terms control. in sports I, I've heard the last <laughs> couple of years. The, the gentleman sweep winning in five. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't want to embarrass them. But, yeah, exactly. But you'll still you don't want to, you know, stretch it out and give them any real hope either. Um I'm still no, really I, interested to see how that log GM in the middle of the uh, Eastern Conference playoff picture shakes out cuz you've still got the Hawks, the Celtics, the Heat and the Hornets all separated like by game. one game. Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting. Um I don't know, I was watching uh that uh, Hawks game the other night and I didn't realize this did you realize how much Al Horford's sister like hates the Cavs and goes crazy on Twitter at the Cavs I did not know about that I think I remembered something about that during the playoffs last year like she hates Della Vadova right oh hates Della Vadova and LeBron I vaguely remember her like saying something last year but then I was watching the game the other night and like someone like retweeted her and I ended up on her page and it's just like the whole game. She doesn't talk about her team at all. All she does is complain about the Cavs, which I don't know. I, I complain about the other teams occasionally, but I still am watching for my team. Um, it's a hell of a way to go through life, man. Very but, bitter. Oh, they're all bitter. And I'll be honest, I've early on in the season, we, we kind of talked about how the East was looking better. Um, than it had in years past. I kind of thought that was going to fade at the end of the season. I don't know that it has. No, look, not at all. You look at the middle. Um, Toronto's obviously had a really good year. Um, Atlanta, Boston, Miami, and Charlotte. Eh, Charlotte maybe a little less so, uh, a little less intimidating. They might have uh, overperformed a little bit, but those five or six top teams in the East are all solid. And then you look, Indiana's definitely got the guys to be good. Um to improve probably next year, but um, same with Chicago, Washington, like the, the East is noticeably better than I think we're used to them being that the log jam uh, in the middle isn't necessarily a bunch of mediocrity like it's been in the past. Yeah. The eighth seed is five games over 500 right now. 
Right. And there have been years, I would say, in the past that it would be, I think it, there might have even been situations where the, the, the you were like four or five games under 500 and getting yeah, into the playoffs. So Not that long ago, the eighth seed was under 500. And like, I'm if drunk, not the seventh seed, too. Was, but yeah, so, um, and I think if you compare the East against the West, the top of the West is probably noticeably better than the top of the East. But uh, past like Oklahoma City, probably the East might be better um, if you take the top four. So Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and the Cavs, who I think are probably what everyone considers to be maybe a notch above everyone else. Um, if you then compare the rest of those teams, I think the the East might be better, might be deeper than them. Um, yeah, the bottom half of the playoff bracket right now definitely looking stronger. In, oh, no uh, question. in the East. No question. It's definitely stronger than uh, it has been in past years. All right, quickly, I, I know we're um, past the 57-minute right yeah. mark. Five minutes. Humor me here. Uh, I know you were watching WrestleMania on Sunday night. Uh, I watched it over at my dad's house, uh, the annual tradition. Nice. What uh, did you think of the show? Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, I wasn't crazy about it. Nothing really excited me that much outside of, uh, I like when the old guys come out, <laughs> really. None of the new guys really do it for me that much. Um, I thought the thing with Austin and uh, Mankind and, well, I guess he was Dude Love on Sunday. Uh, I think Foley. he was, no, I think he was Mick Foley. Just good old Mick just, Foley. Just good old Mick Foley. Yeah. Uh, um, him and uh, Shawn Michaels. thought that was cool. I think anytime uh, Austin gets in, to the ring and chugs a bunch of beer and acts like a hillbilly. <laughs> I think that's about as good as it gets. Um, the rocks bit I thought was going to be pretty lame. It started off pretty slow, um, but then he he pulled off. Uh, he had the tights on. And he was ready to go. It was kind of cool. Um, that uh, that went on that, way too long. It did drag on a little long. I agree. And and quite frankly, the rock doesn't have it in the ring like he used to um, on the mic. He's he's still I mean he's still good he's still probably better than anyone else in in WWE but he's not what he used to be, uh, but yeah you're right it it did last a little bit long but overall it was still I think it was still a highlight of the evening, um, but quite frankly none of it really excited me that much I honestly didn't even stay up for the uh, the title match because it was eleven twenty five and they spent fifteen minutes getting to the ring. That was the thing. Like, that match, out of all... I mean, they had about three or four matches, I would say, that were, like, the, the main feature bouts. And of all of those, like, the main event was the one that I think people wanted to see the absolute least. So to have a show that's normally an hour longer than any of their other pay-per-views... Then you add on an hour and a half or two hour pre-show. And then on top of that, you make the main show run an hour longer than scheduled. Like it should have been over at like 11 o'clock. And at that point, you hadn't even started getting the guys like coming out for the main event yet. And it was for a match that nobody was really into anyway. It was like everything that people wanted to see, they got out early. And it was like, oh, yeah. And hey, by the way, here's the match. uh for our championship and, and the biggest match. And we're going to put a, a good guy in here that everybody in the stadium is going to absolutely hate. Uh, right. Have fun. Yeah. And I think, 
Um, I think they're finally going to turn Reigns heel. I think they have to. It's the only acceptable choice, I think, at this point. They've been trying to push him as a face forever. Um, I can tell you, when I was down at Fastlane at the queue last month, it was really fun to boo the shit out of him. Yeah. There's just well, nothing likable about the guy, and, and it's just, I, I don't understand. They've invested, like, two years in trying to make him, like, the next Cena or the next Rock or the, the next centerpiece of the company. And, like, all those guys... Yeah, they, they they all had like defining personalities and mm-hmm. an interesting character, and there was something about him that like made you gravitate towards him. And and like even a guy like Cena who got booed by half the audience, I mean, the guy still got like unbelievable charisma, and he did have half the audience cheering. Whereas this guy, they're just like like who, who, who is he? Like I don't I don't know what what, what he's supposed he to be. I don't even think he knows. That's that, and it shows. That's where I think that's where his issue is. Yeah, I think he kind of hinted on Monday that, that that heel turn is probably close. I hope to God that he did. Um, truthfully, I won't follow. I don't follow wrestling all through the year. I kind of come and go. Um, but I think that they they've got to accept the fact that he's just not going to work as a face. Not right now, at least the way that he got forced on everyone's throats is they're just not going to buy it. So you got to switch course and uh, hopefully they're on, they're on their way to doing that. Um, But the one thing I will say they had, uh, everyone knows that these matches are predetermined. um, But say what you want about all that and how a lot of it is maybe fake. Shane McMahon jumping 25 feet off of that thing onto a table. I don't care how fake or predetermined that is. That was pretty damn cool. And that has to hurt like hell. That was insane. That was nuts. The fact that this guy who hasn't, hasn't actually been a a wrestler. He was never really a wrestler, but, um, he's 46 years old, right? He's 46 years old. He's been out of this for who I can't, I don't even know how long, five, six years, probably Yeah, uh, off doing other stuff. And he showed up and he trained for this. And he said, you know what? I'm going to jump off of this ring onto this table. Um, so g- good for him, man. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Make no mistake. Uh, the, 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 the first comparison people make and, and, and parallel they'll draw is with, uh, Mick Foley getting thrown off of the, the hell in the cell, uh, the back bed, in the late nineties. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, he had, he got a few things in that match where like the first thing was getting th- basically doing the same thing that Shane did with getting thrown off the cell and through an announce table. And, um, this one here, I, I think it was about 10 years ago. They redesigned what that hell in a cell looks like. It is way bigger than the old oh, one. So that was a way bigger more. fall. Yeah. It was probably close to 30 feet. I think. Yeah. That, um, that was nuts. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, the fact that he was willing to do that is pretty awesome um, for a guy who, quite frankly, doesn't need it. Doesn't he? He doesn't have any like need to be a wrestler. But I think they kind of identified it would be a good match for Taker, and he still gets pretty decent pop. Like the crowd likes him. Yeah, he, um, I mean, he didn't need it, but the company did because yeah, it, you just, he was and I, I think we it. might have talked about that at one point. The last time we got into wrestling on here. It's just the sheer volume of injuries that they have and how depleted they were. They uh, needed someone who people recognized and he, he answered the call. I mean, you got to give him, I don't know. The, the, the match itself was, was good. I'm not going to call it great, but, um, but he was a guy willing to do that. You got to give him credit, especially a guy who doesn't really need to do it and really just did it for the company. That's what you, uh, 
gotta give him credit for that. I think it was pretty cool. Last thing I, I will say, and then we'll get out of here. I just, it is amazing to me, the mainstream acceptance of wrestling now versus even like 10 or 15 years ago. Like, do you know that ESPN had SportsCenter at WrestleMania this year? Yeah, it's incredible. If you look like on Twitter at how many of like the specifically at ESPN, but like the personalities, the people that work at ESPN, there's a lot of them that are very into wrestling. It's it's pretty weird. Um, yeah, you never saw it. It was always its own its own niche, its own product, and it's it's definitely crossed over a bit. Um, it is kind of crazy. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as it was maybe 15 years ago, but uh, that's me. But yeah, you're you're definitely right. It's definitely crossed over way more than I ever thought it would. Yeah, I mean, like ESPN obviously is doing it. Um, Sports Illustrated's had people covering wrestling. Uh, Bill Simmons has got his new site launching here uh, soon, The Rigger, and it was just uh, kind of big news last night that uh, he stole away the uh, the wrestling writer from ESPN and and who had originally been writing for him on Grantland, uh, David Shoemaker. Uh, he's leaving. Uh, to go over to the ringer now. And that was, that kind of made some waves. And, um, you know, I don't think it was an accident that when the WWE was unveiling all the hall of famers uh, that were going in this year, all the inductees every single week, they'd unveil a new one leading up to WrestleMania. And it was always like as first broken by FoxSports.com, And they were feeding like one outlet every single week, uh, yeah. quote unquote scoop as to who was going in and, um, trying to build up relationships with all these different mainstream outlets. And uh, I think they're pretty smart with doing that. Cause I mean, it's just, it's a much more competitive landscape. Yeah. In terms of like the media and what's um, and just entertainment options and what's available out there. And yeah, you know, the TV ratings for wrestling now are not nearly what they were back in the heyday of uh, the late nineties. Um, so just for their long-term viability, I, I, it's been really interesting to me as somebody who's into wrestling and into the media business to see how that whole thing has kind of unfolded here over the last uh, year or so. Yeah, it's sort of crazy. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I don't have much to add to that. I think you hit it right on the head. It's it's sort of crazy. It, I don't know that it, the people like you and I who have been maybe been following it longer than some, um, it's not quite what you know that, that we remember and loved about it when we were kids. But um, they found some way to tap into it and sort of make it a little more mainstream, which uh, I think is probably good overall for the product. Hmm. Uh, but now that we're at what hour 10, I think undertaker just finally got to the ring. Is he ready? Is he ready to go now? Finally? Could you believe that? I was sitting there watching it and I'm like, literally like I'd get distracted and I do something on my computer. I'm look up and he's a quarter of the way down. I was like, this is the fact that they're doing this and they're going to go way long on this already. Just baffles me that, that we did not need that. Unbelievable. There, there's building drama and then there's just that <laughs> killing drama drama was built when he was about 10 steps down the ring and then he took about 100 more and i was just like wanted it to be over with already um, they need to bring not... back those old uh, motorized carts that they with the little ring <laughs> yeah. ropes they used yeah, like wrestlemania 3 I never thought I'd miss American Badass when he brings the motorcycle down to the ring. If it would get his old ass down there faster and get the, the match started, I don't care what he comes out to. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, 
on that note, I think uh, it might be uh, time for us to call for the bell here as well. Uh, anything else? Uh, any parting shots from you before we get out of here? No. Uh, when we talk next, what will the Cavs have like one game left? Well, I think their final regular season game is one week from tonight. So okay. they so very we'll well could be done with the regular season. Even. Let's uh, yeah, let's let's hold off because then we'll know who the uh, who the playoff opponent's going to be. Cool, sounds good. All right, hey, usual reminders for everybody out there: you can catch all of our episodes on our website, thenailpodcast.com. iPhone users, go subscribe on iTunes. Twitter users, follow us at the Nail Podcast. Facebook users, go like our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash the Nail Podcast. And uh, I'm going to throw out uh, this little uh, bit of homework for you as well. Um, when we post the new episodes on Facebook, um, go ahead and throw comments on there, um, especially if you're listening. Uh, we, we like the feedback. Um, if you uh, if you like something we said on here or you vehemently disagree um, or you just uh, have something that you want us to cover in the future, uh, let us hear it. Yeah, I can't speak for you, Tino, but most who know me know that I don't shy away from the uh... – the internet back and forth. So if you want to argue with me, feel free. I don't, I don't take offense. Um, I hope you don't either because I can be a little brash, but um, if you want reasonable and rational conversation, uh, make sure you tag Tom. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. All right, uh, boys and girls, I think that'll do it for us. So for Travis Uli, I'm Tom Valentino. This has been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again next week. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.